Welcome. Uh, before we uh, dismiss the youth group uh, in just a moment, uh, we have uh, Pastor Brian. Uh, no, not Pastor Brian. Brian Sean is here. Did you guys run him down from upstairs? They were supposed to do that. Is he uh, Brian Sean? Come on up here really fast. He didn't know this was happening. He tried to escape and come on up. Uh, the reason I said Pastor Brian is because uh, for the last three weeks, all the way up, all the way up, come on now. Uh, the last three weeks, he has been uh, filling in for our Pastor Peter and uh, uh, as the children's pastor. And so we have a certificate of temporary pastorship for him, uh, certifying Brian Sean for being the children's pastor for three weeks from Jericho Road. We are so honored and blessed that you would do that takeover and do an amazing job. So thank you. Thank you, Pastor Brian. But now you're back to regular Brian because Pastor Peter returned. So everybody, former Pastor Brian Sean. So woo. <laughs> If you're in the youth group and you'd like to head on st- upstairs, go ahead. Uh, the youth group's going to have a, a study there. If you'd like to stay, you're welcome to stay as well. Either way, it uh, works for me. Um, our offering ushers, our ushers are going to be really busy today. They're going to be pandi- has- passing this out right now. So they're going to walk down, and if everyone could grab one of these little handouts. Uh, over the last two months, we've been uh, seeing two major movements in the, first of book, uh, the book of First John. We saw first that God was light, and so that fellowship takes place in God's light. And the second thing we saw that God was righteous, and so fellowship leads to our righteousness, which is going to lead us to the third major movement of the book of 1 John, that God is love. And so therefore, uh, if God is love, then fellowship with him leads us to love other people. And so as we look over this handout, it's coming out really fast. Uh, they're going to stay busy, the ushers. We've got a lot of stuff for them to do. As it comes out, if you could just glance at your handout really uh, quickly as that comes to you. Now, sometimes as a pastor, like, I'll be honest, sometimes it's hard, like, when you're going through a text to try to figure out the main point of the text. But this is the text that we're going through today in your handout. This is the entirety of our text. And I don't know, I'm not a rocket surgeon, but uh, I'm looking at this, and I think I can figure out the main point. I think you guys can too. You guys are probably up much smarter than I am, but, but as I was looking at this, I'm, I'm betting the main point is about love and God. I don't know what gives it away, but uh, I've highlighted that for you. As you can see, this passage is cluttered. I don't think there is any uh, passage in scriptures that, that is this dense in terms of the singular words repeated over and over and over. It's almost like God wants to tell us what the point of the scripture is. Almost just like that. In fact, I think God does. When we see repetition in scripture, sometimes it feels boring a little bit, but really it's an emphasis from God to say, hey, Pay attention to this. When we look at this breakdown, over 10 of these are, are God loving us. And about the, another 10 of them are us loving other people. There's a couple that are like just love leads to life or something like that. They didn't fit in those categories. But there, there's a, you know, basically it's God coming down, showing us love. And then from there, love going out to other people. So I, I think that, 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 that that's the point of our passage today. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Let's check it out. In 1 John 4, 7, and 8, he begins this way. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God, and they know God. But anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God, because God is love. Our third God statement, God is light, God is righteous, God is love. The ancient Greek for this sentence is pretty cool. Now, they translated it, dear friends, but this word is actually loved ones. And then the next word in Greek is love. So the way it reads in Greek, it really reads like loved ones, love. 
the idea is as you are loved by God, that love goes out to other people. And like literally it's just two words with a different like ending in Greek, and it's really cool how it comes out. It, it, it's like a catchy phrase. It says, loved ones love. That's how God works, and it's really cool. Continue to love with the love that comes from God. As God is the source, he pours into us so that we can pour out to others. That, that's the, word of, the idea of these two words back to back there. You cannot truly grow in your experience with God without growing in your love for other people. John can boldly say this. He says, like, if you don't actually love your brothers and sisters, you don't know God. That's a pretty bold statement. I'd like you to think of like an inverted V. So I'm doing it with my arms here, where, where God's love is sort of at the top here. And you're on one side and another person's on another side. The closer you get to God's love, the closer you get to loving your brother and sister. That's how it always works. It doesn't work any other way. If you think that you are loving God, but you're not growing in your love for another person, then something is amiss in your relationship with God. You don't have it quite right. So if you've been coming to church for quite some time and your heart hasn't grown to love other people and you don't care deeply for the brothers and sisters who are at your community and you're not caring in love for the brothers and sisters in Christ, but you think that you're growing near to God, something is wrong with your thinking. John boldly says you actually don't even know God. So you want to go back and rethink what's going on in your heart and mind. What is your relationship really like? Because you cannot grow in your love for God and not grow in your love for one another. That's what he's saying quite clearly here. And then it says God is love. This is a really cool statement. It's talking about the character or the essence or, or who God is. He is so rich in love and compassion that love can be used to describe his very being. Now, it's not the only attribute that God has. So he isn't only love. He has other attributes like holiness and righteousness. But, but because God is love, that means it colors all the things that God does. It's not contained in like, okay, I'm going to do a loving portion right now. And then over here, I'm going to do like a holiness portion. But because God is love, it colors all aspects of who he is. So when we talk about the holiness of God, God's holiness always is demonstrated and comes out in love. When you talk about the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God is always loving the justice of God is loving, even if we can't see it. Even if we look at like separation from God, like hell, and you know, that's justice, and that's kind of in the Bible, and you're like, well, that doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem loving. But when you see it from God's full vision, if we could understand the way that God understands, then, then the justice part would even be colored with love. You would say that's the most loving thing he can do. Because hell really is just God confirming what people want. They have said, no, thank you to God. And God says, okay, I'll create a place where you are where I'm not. I'm not going to spiritually rape you and force you to go into heaven. He says, I'm going to validate what you've decided. And I'm going to create this place for you to be in because I love you so much. So even his justice comes from a place of love for people. Everything God does in one way or another expresses his love. The passage continues. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. I mean, that's real love. Not that we love God, or, but, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. So love is, 
is not only defined by the sacrifice of Jesus for us, because that's what we often think about, like Jesus loves us, so he comes and dies for us, but it's also defined by the giving of the Father. You see, the, 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 the Father allowed Jesus to go. The Father sent his Son even. That's how much he loved us. Like, I wouldn't send my son to get hurt for anything. I'm sorry, I love you guys, but it was between my son and y'all. See you in heaven. I, I couldn't do it. But the father says, I am willing. I love them so much that I'm willing to ask my one and only son, unique son, Jesus Christ, to come and pay for them. So we need to appreciate this fully, to receive the fatherly love of God that he wants to give us. I think for some of us, for whatever reason, we sort of think of the Father God as like the Old Testament God, where he's like, you know, angry and killing and that kind of stuff. And, and it's more easy for us to like kind of connect to Jesus who feels a little bit more lamb and wonderful and hold the children kind of thing. And so for some of us, we, we kind of think that maybe the Father's a little bit distant, maybe like our own fathers, because we're, you know, projecting our human experience to, to God experience. Or maybe the Father is a little bit like harsh, or maybe he's a little bit you know, demands reverence or demands us to kneel and this kind of stuff. And so we've maybe tainted the Father with this. But I want to invite you to revisit the thought that the Father loves you deeply in a way that that even if you didn't have a good experience in your earthly father, in a way that even if you had a great experience with your earthly father, the, the heavenly Father loves us in a way that is powerful and extreme and giving and overwhelming. And I want to invite you to think through that, 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 he isn't the angry God of the Old Testament, the Father, but rather the Father has been loving from the beginning of creation until this very moment right now. So the love the Father was demonstrated not just sending Jesus, but in what that sending accomplished. You see, by sending Jesus and being willing to let him go, he accomplished the salvation of all of us. And so that's really powerful. The Father provides for us when we couldn't get it ourselves. The, the Father loves us enough to sacrifice for us because he loves us. And so since it's Father's Day, I, I want to pause here because I think that this is an appropriate like, application. And I want to applaud the fathers in this church uh, who are imitating the Father God on a daily basis. Like they're sacrificing for the good of their families. They're demonstrating sincere love for their children. They're working hard, being great Uh, family leaders that God is asking them to be. And so I just want to pause on Father's Day here, and I want to, I'm going to ask you to just stand real briefly. Could I have all our fathers stand right here? We're just going to have you stand, and we're going to clap for you really fast. And we're going to actually throw you a a football, too. Now, my kids were wondering whether I was going to throw this out, but I could see it hitting a baby and, like, screaming. So they're going to pass one of these out. So uh, those are coming around to all the dads here. I got you, James, right there. Oh, money. All right, so... We could have gotten you a flower, but I thought that was way, uh, way less appropriate. So uh, they're going to run by and grab uh, football. As you get that, uh, sit on down. Uh, so it was football flowers. I went with footballs. Uh, and then as they're doing that, there's going to be a video that uh, has been made uh, by Pastor Jimmy. Uh, so Pastor Jimmy's created a Father's Day video for some of our fathers. So here we go. Let's check that out. for my Father's Day is um, I want some free time to do gardening work 
which I don't particularly enjoy, but I see that needs. <laughs> For Father's Day, I, I just like to hang out with uh, Jacob, Caitlin, and Diane. Yeah, what I would want most is uh, my kids to go do an activity with me. Probably my most important thing is the, my kids' love, I guess, definitely. That's what I want for my father's day. Though. I wish Cassie would not wake up at 7 o'clock and maybe 9, 9.30. Actually, I'll set up for 8 o'clock. Alright, so um, the thing that I would want most for Father's Day, actually, it's just a happy family. I'd love for my, my family to be smiling and laughing and just having a good time. And so that's my one wish. So the if I can get anything I want for Father's Day, I'd like to go golf. For Father's Day, I would like to go to the movies. All right. So one day, I hope that he he loves Jesus. Someday, in the future, when he's old enough. <laughs>
we responsibly have to sacrifice that choice that I made to for our kids. So uh, I think everything joy that I get out of it, my kids and what they do. Sometimes things get sour. I learned through it as well, and just an up and down moment. We learn together and do our life together. I would share that um, it gets easier, but I've heard also it gets harder. So someday it'll get easier. <laughs> Encouragement. I don't know. I'm I'm younger than a lot of other dads, so it's probably easier for me to say. But I mean, just seeing since uh, Grayson was a kid that you know it really is like a process. It's not like you know pass or fail at like a single point in time, but it's just you know, every day type of thing, trying to improve in areas or grow as a kid, or in my case, you know, like a father. You know. I hope that. In times of uh, frustrations and craziness, enjoy every moment that you have. Because what I've heard that the kids are growing fast, and they are growing super fast. I remember changing diapers of kids, but now they're already walking around and arguing with me, and be able to talk back. But I enjoy every moment of it. So enjoy every moment if you can do. My advice for fathers is. Uh, to remember that you are the spiritual leader of your children. They look to you. You are their hero. You are their everything. So pray for them, love them, and build them up. Happy Father's Day, everyone. So I would recommend or suggest that all dads, current and future dads, try to be there as much as you can through all activities, good and bad, for your children. Because uh, even though they may not express it, I think on inside they appreciate it. Uh, one advice I would give for other dads is to uh, get make life a little more challenging for the kids. That I think uh, when they overcome challenges, they become better. And uh, sometimes we try to do too much for them. And I, I think sometimes the best thing we could do is just give them opportunities to grow. Any kind of advice that I can give to the fathers out there? Love God, love others, love your family. And uh, Abby always tells me um, she uses Proverbs, do not provoke your children to anger. So um, I, I try to remember that. Thanks. Fly in the night, just like fairy gifts gone in the sky. Thank you, uh, <clears throat> thank you, Pastor Jimmy, for putting that together for us. Uh, cool, so many good things. Like, oh, what a blessing. Um, and so we want to love like the Father loves. Let's continue in our passage here as we're looking at uh, the Bible in 1 John. That nobody's ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love has brought to full expression in us. And God has given us the Spirit as proof that we live in Him and that He in us. So John relates a basic principle about God the Father, that living in us is the greatest evidence of God's presence. The thing that's living in us is love. Like we can't see God, but, but we can see love. We can see love demonstrated, and we can, we can see it moving our lives to love more. Since no one's seen God at any time, this provides evidence for the presence of God. Loving fellowship with God always causes loving fellowship with people. Always. Furthermore, we've seen with our eyes and now testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God, they have God living in them, and they live in God. 
Declare here means to, that it isn't enough to just know the facts about who Jesus is. We must confess or declare this truth. The idea behind the word here is that declare means to voice the same thing as. So we're voicing the same thing about Jesus as the conclusion of Jesus, that God demands our agreement about who Jesus is. It's not just to say, like, I know about Jesus. We actually have to say, no, then I declare that out. You can't just know it. You have to go all in on it. The passage continues. We know how much God loves us, and we've put our trust in his love. God is love. Second time we saw it here. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our, our love grows more perfect. So we'll not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. No longer are we in God's love. The longer that we are in God's love, the more that our love grows. It grows in quantity. It grows in quality. The Bible says the, the longer you spend in God, your, your love actually grows more perfect. It even demonstrates God more and more the longer we spend in his love. I mean, I think here's a pretty easy test. If you look back over the last few years, has your relationship with God caused you to love people better? And again, as I said earlier, if it hasn't, then maybe you want to spend some time figuring out what's going on. If, if you've been coming to church pretty regularly and you've been trying to invest in your love relationship with God and you've been praying and you're reading a little bit of your Bible and stuff, and yet you still aren't loving people around you, then something is amiss. And I think this is a cool warning and we always want to look at it, but, but I would say as I look at our church, I see this tremendous love that people have one, for one another. And I would say that I absolutely see your love for God as I witness from outside of each of you your love for one another, how you're there when there's time of need, how you're there when there's time of prayer, you're there when there's time of rejoicing with one another, you're there on vacations and then you're there on the weekends, and you know, spend extra time. It's really cool to watch as your love relationship grows with God that you're loving other people right here at this church. It's really exciting from my perspective to watch that. And the last part is talking about the day of judgment here, the last part of this section. And uh, it says, like, as we're loving God and we're loving people, that's going to give us this confidence so that we don't need to appear in heaven and be worried about it. But we can walk into the throne of God with confidence. Some may be satisfied merely to like get into heaven. I, I've heard that before. People say, well, I just hope that I just like make it. But I've met, never been just a make it kind of person. For me, I don't want to just get into heaven and kind of look the other way like, whew, glad I made it. I want to get into heaven and I want to be like, God, I am here. I am a flawed person. I've screwed up. I've made mistakes, but I am here. I have busted my butt for you. You know I love you and you know it by the demonstration of my life, not just the confession of my mouth. From the moment I followed you, God, yes, I screwed up so many times. But I have been following you, and I love you, and I'm here. And I want God to be, like, glad that I'm coming to heaven, not like, oh, he got in? Like, oh, man, what's the standard here? I don't want It's not like that. I want to be able to follow the Scripture and to walk into the presence of God in confidence, not because I am perfect or that I have figured it all out, but because of Jesus' perfection, my sin are washed away, so I'm at zero, and then I've been trying to do stuff to get past zero through the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been trying to love people, live right, love others. I've been trying to love God and grow in my relationship with Him so that I can come into heaven with confidence, not like, oh man, I don't even know if I'm getting in, 
but rather I do know not only am I getting in, but I'm going to make God proud because I love him and I want him to be proud of me. And so we can walk in on the day of confidence. How can we walk in with confidence? Because we've loved people around us. See, it's impossible to know, like, how do you measure if you love God, like, internally? There's no way to measure that. There's no way for me to gain confidence that I've loved God enough, like, in this vertical relationship. But I can measure how much I've loved other people. Like, someone said something mean to me. Did I, like, screw you, you know, like, respond back meanly to them? Like, I can measure. I can look at those things. Have I, haven't I, have I taken care of people? Have I cared more about them than I care about myself? Have I, have I looked out for the interests of others? Have I said loving things to them? Or have I said mean things to them? Have I been kind? Have I, have I tried to listen? Like These kind of stuff are measurable and so that I can have confidence as I walk into God because I say, well, God, I love you. Sort of a measurable thing. But I also have these measurables where I've said, yeah, I've done this. I've done this and I've done this. Not to get into heaven. We're not talking about that now, right? I'm not saying we do good things so we could get to heaven. You absolutely don't. It's only through Jesus Christ. But then I can have confidence as I'm approaching God, knowing that that I've lived well because I've been trying to follow him. It says here that uh, the the next section, that, that kind of love, if we have that, like there's not fear in that kind of love because perfect love, it expels all fear. Like if we're afraid, then it's probably because of a fear of punishment. And this shows that we didn't really understand what God was talking about. It shows that we haven't fully experienced his perfect love. Because we love not because we're loving people. We love because he first loved us. So this completeness of love means that we don't need to cower in fear before God, dreading his judgment, either now or in the day of judgment. We know all the judgment that we ever deserved, every Every smash that you have rightly deserved for every sin that you have done was taken by Jesus. Every every point of wrath, whether you swore or you were drunk or you committed adultery or you you were like in the 80s and you had cocaine like crazy. I don't know whatever your thing was, but everything you deserved of wrath, Jesus stepped in and he took all of it. Every single moment of wrath has been poured out on Jesus Christ so that we don't need to fear God. Jesus has taken the punishment. There's no punishment left for you. When Jesus died on the cross, you hadn't committed any sins. It's not like Jesus died for the sins you've committed up to today. Jesus died for sins you're going to commit in seven years or 12 years. He died for all of your sins. All of that judgment's already been paid so that you're free. You're free not to sin. You're free to love people. You're free to be exactly who God made you to be because you don't have to worry about punishment. Jesus has taken it all. But what about the many passages of Scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament, that tell us that we should fear God? What about those kind of passages? And uh, it's really interesting that the word that's used in the Bible for fear It's a context-based word. So we translate it fear all the time in both contexts. But this word in in Greek can either mean like terror as in dread, like as in, oh no, punishment. But the same word can actually mean reverence. And it all depends on context. So when uh, the Bible tells you to have fear of the Lord is, you know, this right place to start your relationship with him. It's not saying like fear like, oh man, he's going to smash me. It's reverence. And, and you can figure it out based on context. 
And so here when it says don't have fear, this fear is don't have terror of punishment. It's not saying don't have reverence. <laughs> right? That wouldn't make any sense. And so it's all depending on context. It's a context-based word, which is kind of cool. So then should we have fear of God? Yes, but only in the sense of reverence. We should not have fear in the God fear of God in the sense of punishment or angry father God waiting with lightning like Zeus on a mountain with a white beard, right? That's kind of our Old Testament God. That, that isn't what we should have fear of God for. And then it says that he first loved us. It tells us that was, it was God who acted first. His love for us moved him to act on our benefit. All while we didn't know him, we didn't appreciate him, and we certainly didn't love him. The Bible says we were enemies of God. And then he still loved us before we were friends. God didn't send his son to save great people. See, God sent his son to save people who are spitting in his face, who are absolute enemies of God. Can you imagine? My, my son's sitting here in the front. Can you imagine me sending my, my son to die for someone who hated me, who spit on me, who who's robbed from my house and who raped my family. Can you imagine? And then I send my son to go die for him? That's what God did first. See, because we didn't love him at that time. Now some of us do. But at the time we didn't, before you met Jesus, and God still sent his son to die for us when we were were sinners, when we were far from him, we didn't care about him. I mean, it's got to come from him first. God comes and shows us love first, and we got to sit in that. we got to receive that. But there has to be a result from that if it's true. And the result is then we have to turn that out and love other people. So he first loved us, and he loves us now. No matter what, he loves you still. No matter what your week looked like. No matter what this year looked like. No matter what your decade, maybe you had a bad decade. <laughs> no matter what your decade looked like, God loves you still. Do you believe that? Like if you really do believe that he's loved you so, take some time to stop and sit in that and pause and, and, and turn that idea over in your mind and your heart. Say to yourself, like, God loves me. God chose me. God redeemed me. God adopted me as his son. God cares for me. God's pardoned me. God loves me. Allow this truth to be near you at all times. We're going to close with this last couple of verses. If someone says that I love God, but he hates a fellow believer, that person is lying. For we, if we don't love people that we could see, then we can't possibly love God who we can't see. And he's given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. If someone says I love God and hates their brother, that person is a liar. By this crucial measure, Jesus says, you can measure who's my disciples. You'll know who's a disciple of mine by how they love people. That's how you'll know who my disciples are. Jesus says that. So because of this, the excuse for like, like, I just can't love that person. Like That excuse isn't valid. Or, Or whatever other excuse we don't have for loving other brothers and sisters. Now, this is the context of brothers and sisters. The Bible also tells us to love enemies in other places, but not in this section. This is just talking about the church people who are all flawed around you. I don't know about you, but have you ever had anyone church in church that bugs you? 
like that maybe annoys you, that, that maybe they've been mean to you, maybe they disappointed you, maybe they made you mad sometimes, maybe, maybe they weren't everything that you thought they would be, and that was just the pastoral staff, right? <laughs> Not alone like people. <laughs> we're just talking about the last four or five pastors we've all had. Like those were the ones I thought, I'm thinking of those too, right? Don't we have all these people that like, man, that doesn't really hurt me. I have this in church. I've been in church a long time now, 25 years. I have people like, man, that really hurts. But God has given us all of the provision to love them, to not simply reject them or hate them. Everything is available. All the tools to love that person are right here. If you choose them, if you decide, you know what, I'm going to step out in love, even though maybe what they did deserves some hate. Maybe that's true intellectually. Maybe what they did was bad. I'm not saying it was good. But we respond to bad with love. We respond to good with love. We respond to annoying with love. We respond to everything with love. That's what God asks us to do. It can't be just like, oh yeah, I believe this intellectually. It's got to show up in our lives. All the resources to love people are available right now, and it's up to us to respond to his command to love other people, even when it's not easy. God asks us to love people who are like us. And you guys, I'll, conf- I'll be the first to confess, I- I've made mistakes. And I have said things that are stupid. I've said mean things. I've said insensitive things. I have hurt people's feelings. I have made mistakes as a pastor, as a human being, as a man. And I would really appreciate if some, some of my church people would follow this passage too. You know, that they would just love me even when I have flaws. And I promise to love you back no matter your flaws. Even if, even if you had a bad day and you were snappy or whatever, you know? I'm not trying to call anyone out or I'm not trying to confess anything out. I'm just saying we got to love people who are like us because we're like us, right? Don't we want people to love us even when we make mistakes? I know we appreciate that about our, our husbands and wives, those of us that are married. My, my wife loves me even when I make mistakes. And sometimes it causes a fight, but she still loves me even when we fight. And God is asking us as a family of believers, even if someone upset you, or maybe, maybe they bug you. God is saying, what you got to do is respond in love, even when it's tough. And I'll give you all those resources, God says, to love. Those who love God, they got to love their fellow believers. Like, look, God says it like a hundred times today, right? Like, and he's going to say it a hundred times tomorrow because he loves you and he wants you to love people. Would you pray with me? Father, we just want to come and like, it, sometimes it's so simple, like, it, it can't really be that easy. But the really cool part about Jericho Road right now is that you have called us as a mission statement to love you and love others. And God, I believe it is absolutely that simple. And yet, sometimes it's so hard for us to do. I pray, God, that we would sit in your love, that you would start to move us so that we could sense your presence, that we could feel the movement of your spirit in our life. Maybe our heart has been hard. Maybe it's been separate. Maybe it's been far away from you. Maybe we've been to church way too long and we're sort of just church tired. But I, I pray this morning won't be about church. That it'll be about looking at your word that you wrote to us, that you said, hey, son, hey, daughter, I love you. I wrote it a hundred times this morning on a piece of paper so you could see it. That's got to hit you. Son, daughter, I'm talking to you, God said. I love you. 
I love you and I know your mistakes and I know your flaws and I love you. And once you can grab onto that, I want you to extend that out to someone next to you on your right and your left. Someone who's maybe on the right and left of your heart. Extend that love to people. Would you, would you just spend a minute just wrestling as I wrestle with that in prayer? And then we're going to close in a song together. Thank you.